Well, this morning I want to speak to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, a verse of scripture that I used in Sunday's sermon and thought about it and kind of expanded it into this. Let me read you that scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes this. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Right now. I want you to think for a moment about how Paul began that. I don't want you to take God's vase or to, or to receive God's grace in vain. What a, what a powerful thing to take something in vain. Be like someone giving you a new car that you never drive. That would be taking the gift in vain. Someone gives you a million dollars that you stuff into a box and bury in the backyard and never use it. You would have received that gift, that million dollars, in vain. Uh, you might go the other direction. You, someone gives you a million dollars and you go out and just fling it into the air and give it to... Well, to nobody perhaps, or you lose it, or you misplace it. You go out, you, you put it in a bag with bricks in the bottom, and you drop it into the river. All of those things. You've, you've received that gift. The monetary value of it made no difference. You didn't do any good. You didn't do any bad. You just squandered it. It was, it was just in vain. It had no purpose. Paul says, don't receive God's grace in that way. Now, think about for a moment what God's grace is. God's grace is the peace of his love. It's the expression of his love that makes it possible for the greatest plan in the whole world to come to pass. The greatest desire that's ever been known, the greatest passion that has ever been expressed ever, the greatest want that has ever been wanted, it is God's grace that makes the fulfillment of all of that possible. What is that? What's the greatest desire? What's the greatest grace? What's the greatest want? It, it's God's desire, God's passion, God's want that his children, you and me, that we would be able to be with him. Can you imagine, those of you that have children, can you imagine what it would be like to be, to have someone run up and grab your child and run off with that child? How greatly you would want to be, how passionate you would be to be reunited? What would you, what would you do? What, what measure would you go to? What, what drastic act would you engage in to be reunited? Well, I think we would say I'd do anything. I would, I would cross any obstacle I would pay any price and that's exactly what God's grace is about you and I and all of God's children being reunited with him now God says don't take that in vain don't 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 squander this thing that has made it possible for you and I to be reunited or to be back where God is that's what that's what Paul is saying don't forget how greatly God wanted you to be with him and don't 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 just take that for granted and then he talks about this thing about time that when you called out to me he said I heard you 
In the day of salvation, I helped you. See, Paul is expanding on that idea of taking God's grace in vain. And then he says this. First of all, I want you to notice the sort of the past tense sense of him helping us. When you called on me, when in the, in the time of favor, this past tense, back when you called on me, I helped you. But then, watch this. He does this thing with the present tense. He says, when you called on me, I was there. He says, but then he comes into the present tense and he says, right now is the time. Do you see how he's not talking about you and me anymore? We've already responded to his grace. In the time of favor, that, that past tense sort of look, I responded. He said, but now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of God's salvation. And in saying it that way, he places upon us this urgency, this responsibility that we're supposed to respond to in an urgent fashion. I want to talk to you about how that time, because that's really what Paul is saying, back when you called on me, I responded, and now is still the day of salvation. I want to talk to you about the fact that time is scarce. It's a scarce commodity. But I don't think we act like it's scarce. I don't think we do things that look like it's scarce. I don't think we live lives sometimes that reveal that we think it's scarce. Let me show you some things that look like a group of people thinking something that was scarce. And how people respond. How we would respond if we thought time was short. Uh, there's a picture here of a Mormon temple. When Mormon temples are first built, there, and you, you may or might not know that in Mormon temples, non-Mormons can't enter one. You can't go up to the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City, Utah right now and walk in. You're not a Mormon. If you try, you'll be thrown out. But when that temple was originally built, when it's first built... There is a period of time when non-Mormons can go in and see it. Here's the amazing thing. People that have no link to the Mormon church stand in line. In fact, the line can extend for a long, long ways for people wanting to go in and see it. Why? Because they know that there's a moment coming when they won't be able to any longer. And non-Mormons will stand in line half a day to get to go into a newly built Mormon temple just so that they can see what's in it. Why do they do that? They do it because they know they won't be able to after a while. The time in order to go see it is short. So they'll wait in line a long, long time. A couple of other things that take place in our, just in the way our brains work. Whenever taste tests are done, for instance, one that I read about was that anytime people put like different kinds of cookies out on plates, uh, let's say they have three chocolate chip cookies, or they have a plate of chocolate chip cookies here, and a different brand of chocolate chip cookies here, and a different brand of chocolate chip cookies here. Whichever plate, is <laughs> what's interesting, whichever plate has the fewest cookies That's the one people will choose from. Why? Because they assume that other people have chosen that cookie the most, so that must be the best. Scarcity 
makes people want something more. If you don't think that's true, any of you, well, if, if you, many of you will remember when Coca-Cola first was a thing. But back in the mid-80s, in fact, on April the 23rd of 1985, Coca-Cola made the greatest marketing blunder of all time. Some of you will remember it. They announced that they were going to replace the original Coke formula with a new Coke. And they even called it New Coke. You can see it right there. It had, the, had a label on it. New, new Coke. The world went crazy. Coca-Cola drinkers all over the world just went nuts. One guy named Guy Mullins, who is from Seattle, a retired real estate executive, he created an organization called Old Cola Drinkers of America. <laughs> I, I think I'd be offended by the old part. All right? but, and he began to petition they even, he even filed a class action lawsuit to have the old recipe made public. They printed buttons and banners by the thousands. They had hotlines <laughs> created for counseling to help people deal with the depression that accompanied the change in the Coke formula for those who were depressed and disgruntled. And lots of people called. All of that because Coke said there wasn't going to be any more old Coke. It was only going to be new Coke. And watch this. Here's what's crazy about that. Mr. Mullins did all of that in spite of the fact that in two different blind taste tests, he had chosen new Coke over old Coke. He liked the new Coke better, but he was upset because... He couldn't get the old anymore. He liked the new in blind taste tests. It was just the fact that something was scarce. That time was short to have it. He had to have it because it couldn't be had anymore. The thing he liked more was less valuable than the thing he couldn't get anymore. Coke did major research before launching the new formula. In fact... Two million people they surveyed. Two million people in 25 cities participated in taste tests. And 55% of them chose the new over the old. But when people knew the identity of the old and the new, only 6% of the time did they choose the new. When they didn't know... 55% of the time they said, I like the taste of the new better. But when they knew new and old and they knew old was going away, 94% of the time they said, I like the old better. It didn't matter. It was the thought that they couldn't get it anymore. The, the thought that they were losing something that made people hate the new Coke. You're taking away the old Coke. It's old Coke that we drank on the front porch. It's old Coke that we poured peanuts into in glass bottles. This newfangled stuff, we don't like it. But when they didn't know which one was which, they liked the new better. There is something about shortness of time and scarcity of anything. The only thing more, more powerful than scarcity is exclusivity or sort of, sort of you're, in the, you're, in a, you're in a select group. Watch. There was a study done, in fact, there was a, a sales 
um, a sale, if you will. Uh, beef producers, beef sellers in Australia tried to, tried to put this process to the test. Normally, in a given period of time, in a given area in Australia, beef sellers would sell 10 boxcars over a given period of time, so many months, over so much time, and it's such and such an area. They would sell 10 boxcars, refrigerated boxcars of beef. They started a rumor that beef was scarce. They started the rumor that there wasn't going to be enough beef to go around. And in the same period of time, in the same area, sales went from 10 boxcars to 24 boxcars. 250% increase. When they, when they said that there was not going to be enough... And they packaged that in, into people so that they thought only they were getting the information about the scarcity of beef. First they said it was scarce. Then they sent out stuff that said it is scarce and we want you to alone know this. The sales went from 10 to 24 to 60 boxcars. If you don't think that's true, hey, there won't be any more toilet paper tomorrow. <laughs> we just experienced it. There was plenty of toilet paper to go around, but everybody went nuts because somebody said it was going to be gone. And then it was gone. Now, we've just experienced all of that. What does all of that mean to you and I? And what does it mean to 2 Corinthians chapter 6? Watch this. Paul said, there's only what well, the scriptures say. Jesus said, there is one way to the Father. You must come through me to get to the Father. He said it in a lot of different ways. Narrow is the gate. Straight is the way that leadeth to salvation. But, broad, or, or, but wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Paul said about the narrow gate, few find it. He said about the broad gate, or the wide gate, and the broad way, many go in that way. This is just one way. This is a scarce product that you and I have. And Paul said, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. This, this isn't an eternal opportunity. This clock is ticking and it will one day reach midnight and time will be up. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 4 and 5. Let me read you some other scriptures. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4 and 5 says this. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. In verse 10, Paul said, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And then in Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 26 says, At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And then one more, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, By the same word, the present heavens and earth were reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. What does all of that mean? We're on a clock, church. Time 
is scarce. But here's my question. Are we acting like it is? We're not acting like people. The body of Christ responds, and I've just started thinking about this. We have responded tremendously to COVID-19. We have have responded incredibly to the racial unrest in our nation. But COVID-19 will pass away. And racial unrest will one day come to an end. But there's still just one way to the Father. And we're on a clock. Today is the day. We have a limited amount of time for this. And secondly, and I mentioned it already... There's only one way to get saved. Second point is that there is only one way to get saved. I I quoted the scripture to you a moment ago, but let me read it to you from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. One more from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5. Paul says, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one way to get saved. So we have a limited amount of time and a scarce product. But we're not acting like it. The body of Christ is, we're just, we, you and I both, we, we live like there is an unending amount of time to get the Great Commission done. And we live Our world is certainly living like anything goes. We're not acting like people with a limited amount of time and a scarce product. Because when people think something's scarce, like Mr. Mullins in the Coke illustration, they rise up to get something done. And when people think that something's going to be taken away from them, they'll go to great lengths to stockpile it. And to share it with those that they love and make sure that those that they love have it. I know this is a pretty pointed message, but I think it's time for it. Why? Because there is only one, point number three, there is only one Son of God. We have a limited amount of time, we have a scarce product. Why is that? Well, because God so loved the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How do we show these principles? How do we show that we believe that time is short? And how do we reveal that we truly understand the value? And it's almost, it's almost demeaning to say of this product of this grace, of this kingdom that we've been entrusted with, of this way to God. How do we do it? We do it through our lives. 
We do it through the lives that we live. So let me ask you a very pointed question today in conclusion. What in your life that extends beyond you? I'll I'll tell you why I say it that way. What in your life that extends beyond you reveals that you believe that time is short and that there is only one way to God. It's a scarce product. What in your life that extends beyond you? Why do I say that extends beyond you? Because it's easy to say, I believe. I am passionate. I am ready. Okay, that's good. Paul said, don't receive this grace in vain. Do you remember the two time frames? Let me come right back to that and close this up. He said, when you asked... In the time of God's favor, I heard you. There's clearly a past tense reference there. And then he puts this present tense reference. But now is the day of salvation. It's a question that Paul is presenting to us. You were happy to have presented in an urgent manner. To have presented to you in an urgent manner the life-changing grace of God. But that window is still open for others. Do you respond to it in the proper fashion? Because the grace of God was not intended only for you and for me. The scripture says, whosoever will may come. But he has left us to keep stirred up in ourselves the scarcity of time and the rareness of our product. We have to get up every day remembering that the time is short and the product is rare. we got to get up every day remembering that the clock is ticking and there's only one way. We've got to get up every day feeling the sense of responsibility for the lost humanity around us, understanding that the time is short and the product is rare. We've got to get up every day thinking that maybe today is the last opportunity I'm going to have. Maybe that nephew of mine that doesn't know Jesus, this is the last day that I'm going to have to present it to him. Maybe my neighbor who, who is over and over turned me down. Maybe today will be the day that they talk to me about Jesus. Maybe that one who I've invited 50 times to come to church, time is short, product is scarce, i got to ask them again. I will not be deterred. My life is for the service of the kingdom of God. I'm in the 99. The good shepherd has commissioned me to reach the one. How about you? Have you prioritized your day today? Have you prioritized your life in such a way Have you prioritized your money and your giving in such a way? Have you used your talents in such a way that reveals that you comprehend and that you are living in the light of a ticking clock? Time is short. And that you represent the only way to come to God so that people might be saved for eternity. I'll ask you the question again. Have you prioritized your life in such a way that it reveals your awareness of a ticking clock and a scarce product? Father, this morning, stir your people. Stir your people, Lord. Forgive us. First of all, Lord, forgive us. No matter where we go, Lord, no matter what we're doing, we can live like time is short. We don't have to stand out on the street corner preaching. That's not, 
I don't even think that's the most effective way. Some might disagree, but I don't think that's the most effective way. I think we build relationships. We've already built relationships with people that need to know about you. If every Christian in the world would simply live in an expedient fashion in the lives of those that they're already connected to, we couldn't contain the harvest that would be brought to the kingdom of God. Well, yes, we could. You'd see that we could. But it would be a great harvest. Father, others, Lord, in this world need to know about you. And I pray that in this season of change and refocusing, that you would stir something up in your people, each of us individually, that causes us to live like time is short and the product is scarce. Do it, Father. Stir your people. Stir us up, Lord. Stir us up. Mm. Prioritize our life, Lord, like people who are living with a short amount of time and with a very scarce product. In Jesus' powerful name, we ask you to do it, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, listen. Maybe you need to change your day. Maybe you need to think about what you're going to do with the rest of your day a little differently because time is short and our product is scarce. Thanks so much for joining us in our Wednesday night, our Wednesday morning study. We'll be back tonight for our Wednesday night study. Now, let me say something. Uh, I'll be doing a phone tree a little later. Uh, there's been some confusion. Some of you don't know that we are meeting live on Wednesday night in our classes. My Wednesday night class is not only streamed, it's also live in the cafe. There are people joining me there. I talked to two people just yesterday that didn't know that. What? I can come? I could be there live? Yes, you can. Uh, it's a small group. We practice social distancing. People wear their masks. You'll be safe. We're studying the book of Colossians. I'd love for you to join us live uh, in that class. The men's class is meeting. Um, so come be a part of that. Uh, Michelle Anderson's class has been meeting. I think, I'm, I'm not sure. Dave, do you know? Uh, Pastor Dave may have the headphones on. He can't hear me. Do you, do you know if Michelle's class is meeting live? Online only. So Michelle's class is meeting online only, but my class is live and the men's uh, class is live. So if you'd like to come join us, do so. We'll be back here at 7 o'clock tonight for that. Or you can join us right here in the stream if you feel safer doing that. We certainly understand that. And then Sunday mornings, uh, 8.30 and 10.30 live here in the building. We're practicing social distance. We have the rows marked off uh, every other row. So you'll be safe in that regard. Uh, we're asking people to wear a mask when they come into the building and, and to continue to wear a mask while they're in the building. And, uh, and, and uh, God's doing some great things. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you here online again soon or in person. Remember, time is short and we have a very scarce product. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here soon. Bye-bye.